You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody to a Wednesday edition of Locked On Texans, your daily Texas talking news update, where you are joined by my lonesome today, John, some sports guy, Hickman. We're going to talk about the Houston Texans, of course, but you guys know there has been this last week and a half trend of the Locked On crossover, and today we are going to be joined by Jeff Lloyd, the family member, Locked On family member from Locked On Cleveland Browns, and I can't wait to uh, really discuss What's going on with Cleveland? We know that last year they ranked Baker Mayfield ahead of Deshaun Watson. We know that last year they had a lot of chaos and controversy. We know that last year Baker Mayfield made everything personal and not about the game. And, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt and, and, and what they're going to do with Austin Hooper now and Miles Garrett and all of the rumors that are surrounding the Cleveland Browns, I can't wait to discuss them. And I will say this, that right now the Houston Texans have a lot of good news that it you know, circulated for themselves. We know that they got the deal done uh, with Larry Tunsil. He's going to get that three-year, $66 million deal done. It has officially been signed, sealed, and delivered. He is yours. But right now, the Houston Texans, you know, did turn their their sights over to making sure Deshaun Watson has been kept, is going to be kept in Houston in those massive numbers that he will possibly receive. It's going to be crazy. Right. And also the Texans are not done. They have 17 and a half million dollars left of cap space to play with this offseason. Larry Warford was just released by the New Orleans Saints, who has earned accolades his last three seasons in New Orleans. Uh, one of the best run blockers in the NFL in his position at the guard position. Only allowed two sacks last season, played 100 percent of all of the sacks. And right now he's only seeking $7 million for his salary. He's released. He is out there to be had if the Houston Texans have interest. My question is, if we bring him in, and I got, I want you guys to you know, really think about this because these are the discussions and topics we'll bring up at a later date. But if the Texans bring him in, then I think automatically he'd take Zach Fulton's spot at the right guard position. Now, Will that leave Fulton to slide back down the center where he started his career off in Kansas City? Or would that just leave Fulton, you know, SOL? You guys know what SOL is, so I'm not going to really say it on air. But to clean it up, crap out of luck, you know what I'm saying, and have Nick Martin still stick at center, or will we keep Fulton around as a what O'Brien likes to call a swing, a swing offensive lineman, can play the center, can play the guard. And I'm sure if we need his body, if something goes down, drastic measures can play some tackle. However, I hope that does not happen. We'll see what's going to happen with that. The Texans do have interest in Larry Wolford, and that's a player that I would like to see here in Houston because of his you know, his versatility and how good he is with the run blocking. Now, David Johnson played behind a terrible offensive line ever since he got those all-pro accolades a few years ago. Got injured and just really been a pedestrian since then. You know, been a, a shell of himself since then, but his offensive line in Arizona did not help him. Last year, this offensive line did help 
Carlos Hyde get his first 1,000-yard season. And I understand it. I really do get it. However, moving forward, I would like to see an upgrade at that position. Bring in Warford, and that'll help not only David Johnson, that'll help Duke Johnson, the two D. Johnson brothers in the backfield, but that'll also continue to make sure that Deshaun Watson, who will be getting a monster deal, continues to be healthy. Because if he gets that money, he's not healthy. Then, I mean, somebody tell Calvin Cato, we want our money back. And, of course, I'm not saying Calvin Cato is on the same level as Deshaun Watson by any means necessary. No. What I'm saying is, without having him on the field and the money that we had invested in him, same goes for Larry Tunsil, honestly. If we, give, if we give him all this money and they're not on the field due to injury, then we lost. And the Texans do not need to lose. This episode is brought to you by Bill Bar, where they have the best protein bars in the business. Lower calories, better tasting bars, and they also have a boost powder drink that I love. I, honestly, I love that more than the bars. I drunk that one morning. I gave you guys a, a quick review on Twitter, but it gave me all the energy I need to be a very good essential worker for a 10-hour shift. So I suggest you guys go ahead and check that out now. We will talk about the Browns. We will talk about the Texans, and we will talk about everything surrounding the two teams. Don't go anywhere, guys. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Bill Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein. 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Texas fans, Cleveland Browns fans, thank you for listening and checking out the Locked On crossover show that we have been doing last week. This week, we're doing it to really have fun with our you know, locked on family. We, we don't get a chance to see each other at all. Uh, everybody's in different states. I mean, unless it's the Houston Texans and Rockets or Cleveland Browns and Cavaliers, we don't really get a chance to see each other. So having these crossovers, I mean, I enjoy them. I get a chance to see the outside perspective of a person's team that uh, not only are they repping, but they're professionally discussing and talking about on the daily basis what we do here at Locked On Podcast. Uh, network. Now we're talking about the Browns. We had an opportunity to talk about the Texans before we talk about the Browns. Baker Mayfield was ranked over Deshaun Watson last year in the NFL 100. And I have to say, because Texans fans were a little pissed about that, that <laughs> following the season, everything laid out the way it was supposed to. So Texans fans, you go ahead and rep your team and rep your quarterback the way you should. But Jeff, man, I got, I got actually a question. There are these rumors circulating about two players, one that's on the roster, one that's not on the roster, and I believe one of them is already confirmed fake. But there's a rumor talking about Jason Peters 
joining the Browns. And I got to tell you, the Browns have an offensive line issue. Jason Peters is old. He is 38. So that's where, and I hate that, you know, I think the, the best player in the 2007 draft, uh, Joe Thomas is no longer here to kind of witness what could be great here in Cleveland. And I, I honestly wholeheartedly believe the only player that I'm taking over him is Adrian Peterson in that 07 draft. But I think Joe Thomas was the best, at least at the very least, second best player in that draft. So I hate that he's not around, but I, I always love this game. But nonetheless, Jason Peters to the Brown. Would you like that move? Is it a good trade? I can see them giving him a fifth round pick. Not that much, much to go get Jason Peters. I think he can help out that offensive line tremendously. However, I don't cover the Cleveland Browns. Like, let's talk about it. Well, the Browns went into this offseason and they were aggressive. Um, within the first hour of free agency being open, they were able to take care and bring in Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin. Uh, two of the top free agents at their positions at the time. Um, for me, and knowing they held pick number 10 overall in the draft, and they thought highly of all the rookies in this class, you know, whether it wasn't Andrew Thomas, whether it wasn't Mekhi Becton, um, you know, and obviously, you know, um, Tristan Wirfs and ended up with the opportunity with only one off the board at 10 to take Jedrick Wills, who they thought very highly of. And this has been something here with a lot of people talking about this with the veteran offensive tackles, whether it was, you know, Jason Peters or was available, you know, the whole Trent Williams, you know, availability and whether the question was there, you know, interest or not. They had all these opportunities. They could have pursued this. Um, they chose not to do anything Trent Williams front and the Redskins still were hoping maybe Cleveland would call until Cleveland drafted Jedrick Wills at number 10 overall. I think if they truly felt they wanted to go with a second veteran offensive tackle, they had every opportunity to. They are still rolling around in cap space. Right now, they're the tops in the league with over $30 million. So even if it was a one-year deal for one of these veterans, if they felt that they truly needed it to happen, they probably would have addressed it by now. Um, this isn't you know, a knock on Jason Peters, who's a fantastic player. And the question also may be, where exactly is Jason Peters looking? Look, when you get to that age, you want to say, hey, look, if I'm playing, I'm playing for one more ring. That's not usually the place where you go to Cleveland and hang your hat for a season. I truly think if they felt the need for one of these veteran tackles, it would have been addressed, and it would have been addressed months ago. I th I know they're confident with Jedrick Wills. I know they feel that even though he's a rookie and they're going to put him out there on that island, they are solid at left guard. They are solid at center. They are well-established now at right tackle with three veterans there, all guys with you know solid NFL resumes. If one of these veteran offensive tackles really was something that was kind of itching at them, they would have scratched it, and they would have probably scratched it a while back. Yeah, you mentioned Jedrick Willis. Uh, how, do, how comfortable are you in him going into his rookie year? Because he has to protect Baker Mayfield, who uh, had a very sporadic year last year, and quite frankly, uh, disappointed after that seven, what was it, seven, eight, and one season, his rookie year, showed a lot of promise. But last year, I will say they struggled on offensive line. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a tendency whenever he's flushed out of the pocket I mean, it's very clear on tape. He flushes out and he rolls to the left side, I believe, uh, more consistently than I've seen in any other quarterback in the NFL this year. But nonetheless, how how you know confident are you in Willis Jr. going into the season? Uh, for me, you know, there were guys I thought were better. You know, obviously I thought, Andrew, for me, Andrew Thomas was the best tackle in his class. There's nothing he can do about it. He went number four overall. Makai Becton, you look at it, and there were, just was not enough of the experience there. 
um, you know, as far as, you know, pass reps and, you know, Louisville, you know, his years there, they weren't running the most, you know, traditional of offenses. Um, then you get to Tristan Wirfs was a player I really liked. That would have been totally fine and content with a 10. But, you know, he had some time on the left side. This was, you know, the concern he had with Jedrick Wills. And, you know, there's no way anybody can say, oh, he'll be fine. Look, you have no way to know he's going to be fine. He played right tackle in high school. He played right tackle at Alabama. And, you know, even though I have plenty of people I trust, you know, as far as opinions and their evaluation of players that say, he's going to go to the left side. He's going to be just fine. That's great. It is. But it does not mean it's still not a concern. He's had a little bit of relationship with Joe Thomas before getting drafted, you know, some back and forth. Once he was officially drafted by the Browns, Joe Thomas, hey, anything you need, you got my number. We'll work through it together. Any questions you got, footwork, you know, the pro, you know, how are you going to work out differently? You know, what adjustments are you going to make going to the left side? I, I think he's going to be okay. But you still cannot just say it and throw it out there like it's it's just a foregone conclusion. Because if you do that, you're also looking at the Browns from last year. Everybody thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion. They were just going to run all that talent out there, and it was going to add up to wins. It, it didn't. So until something you know proves you to ignore the negative that may be there with Jedrick Wills and the fact that he's never played the left side, so until you truly see it, and you know what? You can say, yeah, it was a concern. You know what? Wow, I can't believe we even made it a concern because he's taken it and he's taken to it like a fish to water. Or you go through five, six weeks into the season, and you see some ups and downs as far as footwork or adjusting to the speed from that side. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly a concern. Um, I don't know if it's a major concern. The kid's resume speaks for himself. And there are a ton of evaluators who had him as the best overall tackle in this class and viewed that without viewed that basing him as a left tackle without ever seeing him actually do it. But look, the kid's got to do it. It's on him. He speaks everything you want to hear. Um, the tape shows it. It's just going to be a question of, you know, switching up the footwork as far as everything, you know, everything he's done on the right side and now doing to the left side. Um, maybe it doesn't help him. That could be abbreviated offseason. That certainly is probably not going to do him any favors. But I think for the most part, everybody in the building here, everybody covering this team, feels pretty confident that Jedrick Wills is going to be right out there on the left side. Let me move over to another uh, rumor. And I, how freaked out were you, were you when you heard the Miles Garrett trade rumors that was proved to be fake uh, on the Twitter? You know, Twitter just takes stuff and runs with it. And we've seen Twitter tweets end up on official sports websites and things of that nature. But, you know, how freaked out were you? But are you really concerned that Miles Garrett may not be a Brown moving forward? It's funny because the day started earlier in the day, and um, and I know it came up with uh, our Lockdowns, uh, Lockdown Seahawks host, uh, Corbin Smith, and there were some talks about, you know, obviously it looks like everyone knows Jadavian Clowney is not going to be back to Seattle, and then there were thoughts of, well, what will they do? Um, there's been talks about whether or not Jadavian Clowney could end up being Cleveland Brown. Who knows? Um, the Browns have kept everything pretty much close to the vest to this point this year. So whether who they have interest in it and who they don't, um, anybody who's trying to make a big story out of it, uh, they're just making stuff up because this has been a really, really buttoned down front office to this point. So then the natural thought would be, well, then maybe they wouldn't keep it Olivier Vernon at fifteen and a half million dollars. And so there was me just saying, look, you know, you know, and it was talks about maybe they would trade him to Seattle. Um, look, you're making fifteen and a half million dollars. The team doesn't necessarily gonna maybe move on from you. There's no way to trade him. <laughs> you're gonna cut him. So maybe could he be a fit for Seattle? And then I go back a couple hours later, and now it's this talk of Miles Garrett. 
And it's, it is laughable because this Browns organization, a number one loves the man that he is that incident on Thursday night football did nothing to sway anybody in the building. As far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned, they know it was an isolated incident. They know it is a, it, it, not even a full percent of the type of man that miles Garrett is. Also, what do I know is they are actively seekingly. They want this extension done with miles Garrett as soon as possible. Miles Garrett and his you know, camp, they are receptive to it. Miles loves being in the city. I think he loves the fact that it's laid back. It's not the pressure of a New York. It's not the pressure of a Los Angeles or a Chicago. I think the type of guy he is and the laid back personality that he is, not saying that he's not motivated, dedicated, any of that stuff, because he truly is. I think he just prefers being in an environment where it's not hounded by the media. He wants to be here long term. The franchise wants him here long term. The franchise, they truly think that hopefully they can keep him here forever and that when Miles Garrett's career is done it, done with the Cleveland Browns, he'll just go across the street to Canton, Ohio, go to the Pro Bowl Football Hall of Fame. They are not concerned about the long term of Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is going to be a Cleveland Brown. That is not going to change any way whatsoever. They've made every move, shifting the money around, understanding the fact that they're going to have to pay Miles long term as long as everything goes the way they feel it is going to go with Baker. And this is tough when you have back-to-back number one overall picks. You know, you got to make sure the money's right and you extend these guys and you still got talent around them. And that is certainly what their goal is and what their intentions are for the future. How confident are you guys in Kevin Stefanski? Stefanski, uh, first-year head coach, spent a lot of – well, majority of his career – uh, with the Vikings, had the 2019 season where the Vikings put up very great offensive numbers. How how how, how satisfied are you guys with that signing? Well, the, here's the interesting thing, because Kevin Stefanski was up for this job last year. He was up for an offense coordinator position with the Cleveland Browns the year before that. They know him well. Paul D. Podesta knows him well. Andrew Berry knows him well. These guys have sat down. They break. They broken bread. They've talked about talked about working together. So you know, as much as that, you know, Josh McDaniels was a hot name, and for me, it was even one I was thinking of. Just you know, I mean, because I wanted somebody with experience to come into this job. Whether it was good, whether it was bad, I wanted somebody with experience here. But they went and they had a common influence with Kevin Stefanski. You know, with this analytic approach, they all look at things similarly. Um, and the press conferences to this point, whether it was Paul DePodesta, whether it was Andrew Barry, whether it was Kevin Stefanski, you close your eyes and you wouldn't necessarily know who's speaking. It's the same verbiage and they use the same terms, whether it is, you know, you know, working at the goal or this is a fit. This is a system fit. This is a team fit. This is an organizational fit. And you hear these same words coming out of here, out of, out of these guys' mouths where years in the past, it was the GM, you know, with John Dorothy saying hot, you know, nice hot flashes and this and, you know, not real football players and things of this nature. And Freddie Kitchens, who was, you know, big on hashtag phrases, but not much else here. They speak like, and they speak and sound like most professional front offices do in the NFL. Um, For Kevin, look, it's, it's going to be a tough spot because you're going to get into this and you're not, I mean, the Browns should have already had two weeks of workouts into this point with a new head coach. You're allowed to, you know, start earlier than others. They haven't been able to do that. He's made this a different thing though. These guys, his players have access to 
everything they need. And he's told them that they're receptive to it. He's ahead of it as far as what, you know, his players can learn through this process. And he's trying to force feed them as much as he can right now, even though there's not classroom work, there's not whiteboard work, there's not talking it out on the field work. He's really going aggressive with this approach, which bodes well for him. But the other thing is, is kids are buying in. And with this analytic approach and the way these players are nowadays, 21, 22, 23, 24, whatever it may be, these guys are light years more intelligent than football players 10, 15 years ago were at that same age. These kids know the game. They know it well. So they need to be stimulated. They need to be challenged. And thus far, Kevin Stefanski is fitting that bill. You know, last but not least, the most important question for every Cleveland Brown fan. And, you know, honestly, I think for any NFL fan, too, because the the NFL is at a point where eventually the team that has been bad for so long needs to hit that curve. Right, we saw it in the NBA where uh, there was a point in time where the Cleveland Cavaliers were bad for a very long time or uh, the point of time where before Orlando, you know, really got Dwight Howard, they were really an outside of the cusp type of team, you know. So simply saying it, Baker Mayfield is the player for this team. He's the coach. I mean, I'm sorry, he's the quarterback. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was this, you know, number one draft pick. They had a very good rookie year, had a very bad and disappointing second year. And one thing I respected about Baker Mayfield, he, you know, came out and said, we tried too much. We tried too hard. We were trying to prove. We were trying to do this. We were trying to do that. And it really was not about really just sticking to football anymore. But going into his third year, how confident are you guys in Baker Mayfield? Really? Because Dan Olosky from ESPN, he believes Baker's going to have a monster year. How confident are you guys that, you know, Baker's going to leave all of the past BS behind him? He's going to focus strictly on football and prove any naysayers or doubters wrong that he is going to play football and not anything outside of that. Because this second year, he had all those commercials, had a home commercial for, you know, all of the, the insurance stadium, and it just seemed like, where's football right now? The thing with Baker, and for Baker Mayfield, it is always the the fuel to do more. And, you know, going from Texas Tech to going to Oklahoma, not just being enough to be the quarterback at Oklahoma, going on to win a Heisman Trophy, and then eventually being the number one overall selection in the NFL draft. Um, I do think, and we talked about this actually today, Pete Smith and I, we did an episode this afternoon on the show, and we talked about where all of this is at with Baker. Um, Baker went into last season, yes, you know, freshly married, uh, you know, all the world's after him. Can you endorse this? Can you shoot a commercial for this? Can you do this? After taking an 0-16 team, to seven, eight, and one. Now that's, it's weird to say that it was kind of easy, but it was. And Baker did this with Darren Fells. He did this with Duke Johnson, Rashard Higgins, David Njoku, Brashard Paraman. Jarvis Landry was essentially the only holdover he had from 2018 to 2019. And as this crumbled apart last year, and this is where the good thing is with Baker, is Baker Mayfield will take all the good you want to bestow upon him. But he is also the guy that will step up when it's not going right. And he understands his job as quarterback is, hey, I'll get a lot of the praise that I might not deserve. But also as quarterback of this team, I'm going to take 
a whole bunch of the negativity, even if I don't deserve it. And that is the way Baker carries himself and understands that that's what franchise quarterbacks are supposed to do. I I love this fit for him. Now, as we talked earlier, you know, I, we talked about Fells, talked about David Njoku. David, uh, you know, Baker had completions, almost 100 completions to tight ends in 2018. Last year, the tight end between injuries, Fells going, they brought in Demetrius Harris. None of it worked. That was a part of Baker's game that he's comfortable with. So now you talk about bringing in Kevin Stefanski, who likes to not only play one tight end, he likes to play two. They love, they have huge faith in David Njoku. They already picked up his fifth year option. Uh, so he's going to be here for two more seasons as a member of this Cleveland Browns. Guys that Baker is comfortable with. They brought back Rashard Higgins. Rashard Higgins was essentially ghosted last year by the Cleveland Browns front office. They realized that Baker, Rashard, so what is thing away from your quarterback that he's comfortable with, that he exceeds with? Last year, the tackle play right was bad. And Baker was seeing a ton of pass rush and taking a ton of hits. The way this line is constructed now, it should be a significant downgrade from the amount of punishment he took. Now you're putting him with, hopefully, an Odell, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr., hopefully a healthy Jarvis Landry. Austin Hooper looks like a perfect fit. A healthy David Njoku. Rashard Higgins back in the fold. You're going to get a full season of Kareem Hunt. You have Nick Chubb, who's just a tone setter. As a you know, as a just a, a you know a, a straight running back, twenty carries a game sets the tone. He gets twenty carries. You book him in for hundred yards. That's the type of player he is. This is probably the perfect scenario situation as it's drawn up. Of course, we need to say get on the field and how it plays out. But you absolutely have to love this situation for Baker Maker Baker Mayfield to get back to the way he was spoken about during the twenty eighteen season. And I like that Austin Hooper pickup that you mentioned because I think he's going to come in and bring dependability and somebody who's been in a high-powered offense and know how to knows how to contribute uh, with star receivers around him and play his role. So I, I really like that signing for you guys, and I think David Njoku will probably be on his way out at some point soon. Uh, however, we'll see how that, you know, folds out. Hey, Jeff Lloyd, man, I really appreciate talking to you about the Texans, about the Browns, and – you know, we will score off this year, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Oh, no doubt. Um, there's, you know, there's been history since I've been covering this team of, you know, the Texans and the Browns. Obviously, you know, last season, you know, no meeting between them. Um, but, you know, you, you, you want to see how you measure up against anybody within, you know, the AFC. And, you know, the AFC South, there's a lot of depth there. It's going to be – it could be make or break as far as the Browns' 2020 season, you know, with, you know, three teams – uh, you know, between Tennessee, Indianapolis, and obviously, you know, you guys in Houston, it, there's three teams down there that are capable of winning the division. There's three teams in that division that are capable, easily capable of making the playoffs. So battling the AFC South this year, it, it's going to be, it's going to be certainly a, a solid measuring stick for this Cleveland Browns franchise. And I can't wait to see. I mean, I think you guys have a lot of talent and I think we are, you know, before I get out of here, I think we are really, missing the star quality that Odell Beckham has because he's not getting it done on the field. He had a very bad year last year to his standards and to the standards that we all held him to. So to see him get healthy, he spoke about he's going to be bigger, faster, stronger, better, more focused. Of all things Cleveland Browns, because I'm such a fan of his. And I am a fan of Baker Mayfield as well. I mean, I, I loved his game in college and 
I love how fiery he is. Oh, you want to hold me back? Okay, I'm going to come on as a walk-on, take the start spot. I'm going to transfer and then go win the Heisman. So I love Baker Mayfield, and he's a Texas kid. But Odell Beckham has this uh, quality as a receiver, as a player, to really take over games, and we're missing that. And I think we're, the NFL uh, fans have been getting cheated, long, let alone the Cleveland Brown fans. Yeah, it's tough. Um, For me, in the 2014 draft process, I was in love with Odell Beckham. Um, Just a huge, tremendous fan. And obviously, you know, once he got his start in this league, I mean, he was wrecking it on a consistent basis. Some injuries have caught up to him. And there's been naysayers along the way. And, you know, when you go through a year like Odell did last year, the naysayers are certainly going to chirp loud. But, I mean, look, he still put up a 1,000 yards. Um, he had you know a hernia that was already bothering him by late September. Um, and by the end of the season, any athlete, once the Browns were eliminated, could have said, look, this is a waste. You know, why am I doing this? I can only risk further injury. Odell's Odell didn't have to finish that season. Put in 16 games in the book, played week in, week out, still got that thousand yards. You think about him healthy with a quarterback the capability of Baker Mayfield, it's certainly a scary, scary proposition. Absolutely, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, well, we'll have this conversation a little bit later on in the year when we discuss football in the you know upcoming 2020, 2021 season. I can't wait to have it. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, look, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, everybody just be smart, be safe, do what your legislation is telling you. Uh, you know, oh, you want to get back to normal? Well, then do what you got to do now. Look, we all want our kids back in school. We want to be able to go out and live our social lives. And God knows we all want to be able to have some football come fall. Listen to the man. He's, he's smart. He knows something. He knows the Browns and he knows what he knows. That's why he just told you guys to basically stay ass in the house. All right. Man. <laughs> You know, it's going to be very interesting to see how things work out in Cleveland this year, simply because, you know, I mentioned it, and not really so much so for the Orlando because they really didn't have that bad of a period. But uh, for the like the Cleveland Cavaliers, those years where they were bad, uh, Detroit is going through it right now. The Phoenix Suns are going through it right now. Just teams, the, the Astros went through it. Let me use them more specifically. The Astros went through a – time where their tickets were seven dollars right super cheap super cheap tickets because they were not able to fill the stands because they were a terrible organization and the mlb the nba all all teams in the nfl with the buffalo bills when they finally made the playoffs a couple years ago with tyrod taylor but all of these teams that go through these bad periods eventually eventually need to be good the cleveland browns have went through how many quarterbacks how many coaches how many regime changes and they have not gotten it right yet. So I am curious and interested to see how Baker Mayfield will bounce back this season. How Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham will, you know, bounce back from last season. Yes, Odell had a thousand yard season, but we are missing what he can bring to this game because I don't know. It just seems like the focus was gone. Everybody from that team last year made it more about proving other players around the league, other teams around the league that we are here, instead of just showing up and, you know, being here, being in that moment. The media got to them, the expectations got to them, and, you know, they were they were at a party that they didn't ever, they never got the invite to, right? You know, they were freshmen at a senior party, and you can tell, I smell freshmen, you know? So, and I get that from my uh, house party, 
a movie from back in the day. You guys would know, maybe not. I'm not sure, but I smell, I smell losers, and that's the stench that they carried last year. Uh, but I am interested to see how they bounce back. They had Ross Blacklock high on their board. You guys know we did because, hey, we went out there and drafted him. Hometown player. Can't wait to see what he can produce here in Houston. But Cleveland has the talent with Kareem Hunt, with Nick Chubbs. We know how good they are. Receiver Austin Hooper coming in. He can be the more dependable tight end who, like I mentioned earlier, played in a high-explosive offense, knows his role, and knows how to have four games out of the entire 16-game season to really bust on the scene for your game, make your fantasy team, you know, happy, make your fantasy as a fantasy owner rather more happy that he's on your team for one of those Sundays. But he knows how to play his role very good around stellar receivers. And so, you know, I'm interested to see how he'll work out in Cleveland and uh, Willis Jr. as well, if he's going to be a left tackle or if they're going to leave him at right tackle and just make sure that he's doing the best he can to secure Baker Mayfield's life while he's running around there with his head cut off. But nonetheless, thank you guys for joining Locked On Texans today for this Wednesday edition. I want to share some news with you guys because I just, I love, I love you guys. Really, I really do. I am moving. You know, this entire year has been a huge blessing for me. I'm moving into an apartment. I have my dog who, you know, I talk to him like a real child and uh, just being blessed to be able to have a job during this crisis. So, you know, with everything being said, you guys know you can check out this podcast on all of the major podcasts and platforms. That's Google Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, your whole nine. And continue to rock with the show. I'm John, some sports guy. Hickman, follow me on Twitter, at some sports guy, where my name on there will be Dr. Sports Guy. Because there's a lot of doctors running around that do not have their certification. So why not change mine and be a doctor of sports? Doctor of some things. I don't know. But Houston, the city is open. I want you guys to have as much fun as possible while being safe. Until tomorrow, stay safe, stay sane, stay sanitized. You guys could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here, Lenny, you're here with us. I meet today, rather, and Cody will be back tomorrow. Until the next time, peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.